0: Welcome to The Smoke Pit. What's up, brother? Back again, Dan and Jamie. Sorry for the, uh, the hiatus, everyone. I actually needed my uh, gallbladder cut out uh, randomly. <laughs> and I was just really lazy this month. Yeah, no, no, no. You were, you were out in California <laughs> doing big things for uh, the premiere of the uh, series that you uh, co-directed.
1: Yeah, co-wrote, co-directed, and acted in. A grunt's life, too.
0: Yeah, now currently streaming on Vet TV. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. The exciting thing is that not only was I out there for the uh, for the premiere of that, but we actually recorded the first four episodes of a new show that TV is launching that I'm hosting called uh, Non-Commissioned News.
0: Oh, that's fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, man. It's
0: going yeah. uh, to be a fun gig. It's going to be a good time. Uh, so uh, Jamie wrote up an article on Dot com.
1: Dot
0: com motherfuckers. Where uh, he talks about uh, a grunt's life, too, and uh, a lot of the things that went into that. So if uh, if you enjoyed that or if you hadn't had a chance to get to it, check out the article for a little bit behind the scenes from, you know, the co-writer and co-director and one of the actors. That's you. That is me. me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, would you like to address the rumors that you also served as the communal flashlight for uh, all the staff and and, uh, cast?
1: Um well, communal is is a is a strong word to use. Um no. it was more of a yeah, it was more of a secret society of insiders.
0: That <laughs> you, had, had a, you had to know the handshake.
1: Uh well it was a shake, but it wasn't by hand.
0: Hey oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so check that out. We um, have a, a lot of fantastic articles. Speaking of gallbladders, uh one of our newest writers, uh Samantha Harville, she wrote an article about how stubbornness it could potentially be lethal, particularly to the veteran community.
1: Yeah, yeah, that that, that makes sense. That tracks.
0: Yeah, because, you know, vets are the type that uh, they get a little ache and they get a little pain. They're like, oh, some whiskey and some, uh, some Tylenol will we'll fix it, which uh, first and foremost, those two things do not go together.
1: <laughs> not in high quantities anyway.
0: Yeah, um, you know, the warning labels right there on the bottle, you know, mixing too much alcohol and uh, and painkillers can really ruin your liver. So if you'd like to still enjoy a nice scotch when you're 97 years old, uh, don't mix it, too.
1: <laughs> no, but uh, too.
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so she talked about some things that. Um, that uh, a lot of people may just kind of like overlook as uh, aches and pains like, you know, uh, gallstones. Like having uh, a gallstone attack and then uh, cholecystis. I, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Uh, our executive producer is shaking her head that we did. <laughs> good, good job. Here's a treat. But yeah, like I, I woke up and I uh, had this pain in my uh, in my abdomen. And uh, you know, she is a graduate with her degree in emergency medicine, and she did her little. Um, Kung Fu diagnosis on me. And she was like, Yeah, I think your gallbladder's fucked. You should go to the hospital. So I went to the VA and they're like, Yeah, like uh hard confirm your gallbladder's fucked. We need to cut it out. And I was like, Oh, wow. This is <laughs> a super inconvenient side quest, but I guess I need to do this. <laughs> on It'll top of that,
1: later on your journey.
0: Yeah. Uh, on top of that, um, you know, heart attacks don't necessarily have to be the huge, dramatic things that people think they are, you know, they could be smaller. Read the article for more information on that. And then something else that I've actually suffered in my life, uh, pulmonary embolisms. I had three at the same time and uh, almost died then, too. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's uh, one of the reasons why I can't drink as much as I used to, because I am on uh, blood thinners. But I woke up, I had some pain in my chest, went to the hospital, and they're like, yeah, you got blood clots in your lungs. Jesus, man. It's been a hard life, you know? Yeah, clearly. It's hard being me sometimes. (laughs) but here I am for the world though. Yeah. So we, we thank her for, for writing that because it's got a lot of good information. Uh, Let's see here. We have some other really interesting articles. There's one about how a, uh, a Sergeant major got to be his daughter's first salute when she commissioned.
1: Heartwarming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Heartwarming. Uh, The burn pits bill finally has a good chance of passing. Uh, You wrote that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's near and dear to all of us, man. You know, it's, it's, it's insane for, for, for years now, um, I've been astounded by how many people I know. You know, my age. I say my age. I mean, like you know, in their thirties, um, that are coming up with with all different kinds of cancers. And I mean, it seemed for the longest time that it was just you know dumb luck. But you know, with all of this burn pit stuff coming to life, like no, it seems it's, there's there's one major uh, common denominator there, and that's that all these dudes used to you know smoke and joke around the burn pit. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the, the smoke pit, the, the guard positions, our sleeping quarters, everything was was within a stone's throw of, you know, burning trash and piss and shit and plastics and munitions.
0: Yeah. And I, I talked to um, the, the founders of both Burn Pits 360 and Hunter 7, and they both have said that they've seen a link between people who have uh, been around burn pits and then uh, needing their gallbladders removed. Really? Yeah. Wow. And you know, who's to say how much of that was burn pits and how much of that was uh, sweet, delicious chalupas
1: <laughs> and
0: quesaritos.
1: Oh yeah, spicy fatty foods.:
0: Yeah, you know, high cholesterol, high fat, high salt, not super good for your uh, your gallbladder. <laughs> so I have lost like 12 pounds since the surgery <laughs> <laughs> trying to avoid those, but yeah, um, and you know, we can't really say definitively, but like you said, you know, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. Sure steals your fucking hot dog on the beach like a duck
1: <laughs> or, a <seagull. laughs>
0: or a seagull um we did a, you did a great article uh, a write-up for headstrong they just had their 10th anniversary gala that was pretty neat
1: oh i'll bet i'll bet
0: and um not last and not least, but we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, Jamie did a fantastic article about the VFW and the status that they are in now and uh, you know, how they are addressing or the lack thereof the recruiting challenges moving forward. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Jamie, is there anything else that you want to um, uh, let people know before we get to this episode's featured interview?
1: Um, you know, one thing I would add on the burn pit bill is, uh, you know, I had a, a really great conversation with uh, Grunt Stiles Tim Jensen uh, about a week ago. Um, and his best advice to people who think that, you know, that, who know that they were exposed and have concerns, um, is to educate themselves, you know, uh, step one, have a conversation with your primary. If you, if you, if you want to go see at the VA, great. If you don't trust them and you want to go outside, probably even better, but ask for a blood test a test, ask for a, a heavy metal test, know what's inside your body time now so that your primary can decide the best way to move forward whether it's just to kind of sit and wait, wait and see, or, you know, check out some levels that look a little silly. Um, Yeah, don't just sit there and wait, man. Too many of my friends just sat around doing nothing until they ended up with uh, an extremely depressing prognosis. Don't be one of them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, the, we, we talked to somebody from the VA, a practitioner, and they said that uh, because of the pandemic and people's fears about going to public spaces and that kind of stuff that people have been putting off getting various screenings and uh, that when they do come in that uh, unfortunately a lot of people are further along in the progression than they would have been if they had got screened a year or two. And that's, that's very difficult. Yeah. But hey, Jamie, we appreciate you and um, stay tuned to hear what we got coming up next. Absolutely dog owners don't touch that dial next up we have a fantastic interview with zena lamp she is the director of the canine social summit as well as the founder and obedience trainer at zena's pack she talks about canines and training and the big events that she's been helping put together but before we get to that quick shout out to fieldseats.com they sell tickets to digital reviews where one lucky winner gets the item that was being reviewed whether that be a Brand new firearm or an optic transferred to a local FFL. Check out fieldseats.com and go to their social media for news, updates, and promotional discount codes. Like they got a 10% off code going right now through Monday. It's a great way to support a veteran owned business and also a hedge against inflation and in the rising cost of firearms and steel and the like. So make sure you check that out and enjoy this interview.
2: Today joining us is Dina. She is the founder and director of Canine Social Summit. How are you doing today?
3: Hey, I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me.
2: So uh, this might be um, a bit of a, a misconception, but it just seems like you get to hang out with just some super uh, awesome dogs all day. Am I missing am of the mark there?
3: Uh, sometimes. Sometimes we uh, we have some not-so-awesome dogs, but... It's uh, it's my job to make them awesome, so they eventually get there.
2: <laughs> so they eventually get there. All right, that's that's what we like to hear. Uh, so would you tell us a little bit about what your organization does?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So Canine Social Summit is an event that I founded about two years ago, and with basically the base premise is making dog knowledge common knowledge. As a professional pet trainer. Um, it's it's always been my passion to figure out you know how is it that we make dogs' lives better, um, and really a lot of times that comes down to kind of breaking it down Barney style for you know military folks out there will understand that, um, and just how do we how do we make it so the average person understands some of the most basic rudimentary things about dog training that is transformative. Um, so many people are just plagued by all these very common dog problems that are solved with very easy solutions. And uh, that was part of my mission, and I wanted to find a way to do that. And so I started Canine Social Summit as an event to allow your average dog owner to mingle with, you know, pet professionals, canine trainer professionals, handlers um, from all different industries in the dog world to, uh, you know, network, educate, and really make this education accessible and easy um, for anybody who's interested.
2: Yeah, because at the, uh, the end of the day, you know, we, we all love our furry friends, but, you know, it's extremely important to make sure that they're, uh, I, well, not only well-trained, but then that, you know, the, the people who are uh, spending all their time with them also know, you know, what to look out for, what good habits to, um, uh, to reinforce with behaviors to, uh, to disencourage. Uh, does that sound about right? Or, yeah uh, that's just kind of like my armchair quarterback assessment,
3: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh you know a good foundation of it, but when it comes to this uh dog industry, you know there's so much more than just the pet stuff um the working dog world is what is really hard for people, even more so than the professional pet industry um you know, learning about bite work, tracking, and all that, and so it's um you know it was really interesting at our last event, we actually had most female attendees. Um, which originally surprised me. Um, but then when I thought about it, you know, I thought, okay, so, you know, the working dog world is a more heavily male dominated industry. And so it was just really cool to be able to see a lot of women that were like willing to step up and say, Hey, I don't know anything about this. I want to learn about it. Teach me. Um, and you know, that's, that's a mindset that is something that would get you a lot farther in the dog industry as well.
2: Oh, for sure. I um, I was just thinking to myself, I'd i I'd, I'd like to buy a a puppy here in the near future, and if that's the case, I might just come, you know, just drop them off and um, at at one of the uh, establishments that you recommend, and then just kind of keep my mouth shut until they ask me to, you know, step in <laughs> or do something.
3: Well, hey, questions questions are always good, but uh, if you if you want to come vacation in Florida, you know, you can always come down here to Zena's pack.
2: Oh for sure. I um I, I grew up in Florida, so I, I know where all the good gator holes are.
3: Okay, very cool. Where uh where in Florida?
2: Uh Orlando, uh funny enough. Um, oh. but the part of Orlando that was still had a lot of orange trees and where uh, I guess you could say the the poor people used to live until they all got pushed out. Uh <laughs> they put up nicer housing.
3: Is that Sanford?
2: Uh yeah, that? so just kinda of south of Orlando, Bell's Isle area, if oh, you can okay. imagine that thirty years ago.
3: Well, I have only been in Florida for five years, so I can't imagine it that far, but I live on the outskirts of Orlando myself, and I love it here.
2: Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely a lot to do, and you're never very far from the beach, which I can only imagine, um, you know, is one of the most rewarding things when you can confidently take your your dog to a beach and know that, you know, if you let them off the leash and, you know, where either it's approved or no one's looking, I didn't say that, uh, you know, (laughs) that you can, you know, call them back when it's time to leave and not have to chase them up and down. 'Cause I don't know if if a lot of people remember this from their active duty days. Running on the sand sucks and I don't want to chase a canine
3: <laughs> up and down the beach. I uh I remember all too well myself. Yeah. No uh, no beach runs for me.
2: Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your background.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a Marine Corps veteran. Um I got out back in 2017, was in for six and a half years I was an airfield expeditionary, um, airfield launch recovery specialist. It's a whole mouthful MOS 7011 for anyone who's familiar. And um, also finished out my time in the Marine Corps as a Marine security guard. And so – Huge misconception about me is people think that I was a handler back in the Marine Corps, Um, but unfortunately, being a canine handler was a pipe dream for me, or so I thought. Um, Because in the Marine Corps um, and just in the professional canine industry, um, a lot of times, you know, people are told the only way for you to get into this industry, or at least what I was told, is that I had to either be an MP um, in the Marine Corps or I had to be a police officer. Well, I knew being a police officer wasn't for me. Um, so much respect for those guys. Um, I just know that I'm not really cut out for that kind of work. Um, and I was too senior of a sergeant by the time I was in a position in my career where I could make that lap move. Um, you were, were you a Marine or were you in the army?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I was in 0311. I was in 04 to, to, I think I got out in 2016. Okay. Oh man, I'm I'm getting old. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's okay, I was trying to remember and I was pretty sure you were a Marine, so so you understand my terms, you know, lat move there. It just yeah. you know, and I thought, okay, you know, this is for sure, this is gonna be a dead dream. Um when I came into the Marine Corps, I didn't want to sign, you know, like the whatever that zero is, you know, I don't want to be a cook or and didn't even want to be an MP because I knew there was no guaranteed spots be 9 So I always thought, you know, working with dogs is just is a type dream, it's never gonna happen. Um, And a couple months before I got out of the military, actually somebody who had followed me on Instagram for a couple years and had been stationed in the same area of Quantico that I was in um, sent me a a DM one day. And if I get respectful DMs, you know, from people just asking a polite question, that's fine. I'll answer. Um, And he had asked me, you know, have you ever thought about working with dogs professionally? Um, I had no idea this guy was a dog trainer. um, Didn't know who he was. I just knew he was another Marine, and long story short, he actually um, was opening a dog training location for off-leash canine, um here in o- Ocala, Florida, um, and offered me a job. And so I spent the last four months of my Marine Corps career, uh, you know, training under him. Every spare moment I had when I, you know, wasn't at work or on the weekends. Um, You know, training with him, learning about professional pet training. And so I actually got my start in the industry as a head trainer for off-leash canine Ocala and was there for about four years. until last year, I decided to go full-time for myself. So Zenus Pack is my professional dog training company. Um, I specialize in off-leash obedience with e-collars. And, um, you know, it's been – the world's been a blur ever since, and I've been doing it for about, you know, going on five years now. And uh, I just keep coming up with crazy ideas like Social Summit and trying to make stuff happen.
2: Well, we love to see uh, military members getting out and uh, being able to pursue their dreams. You know, it it kind of uh, dispels the notion that you have to stay in that, you know, uh, for security or whatever reason. If you want to stay in, it should be because you want to be a leader of Marines or you want to be a petty officer uh, or, you know, a chief or whatever the case is. And you know, it should be for those reasons, not because you're scared to chase your dreams. And you know, we love to bring on examples like this. So I, I have uh, two more quick questions before I let you get out of here. Uh, first one being is, when is the next canine social summit?
3: So that is a great question. We are actually in the process right now of determining our next location. Um, we want to have a in a different location every year. So we are looking for that kind of third, final location to have it in. Um, but typically it is in the spring timeframe. So as soon as we know a location, we'll be able to figure out those dates and get that announced on our social media.
2: Yeah. We'd, we'd love to see you head back to the uh, the Quantico area um, and you can swing by the studio and we can actually do like an in-person <laughs> interview versus uh, uh, all these call-ins that COVID has kind of made us do. Now that the awesome. world's coming back to normal, um, you know, we can definitely. You know, we'd definitely love to see you up there. And so the, the second question that I had, and you touched on this briefly. um, So one thing that maybe I thought was um, something that was a little bit more commonplace is that I do happen to see a, a, and know a lot of female canine handlers. And, you know, in a, in an industry where, uh, like you said, it's heavily male dominated, um, most of the time when you're dealing with like a violent suspect, like a good chance that it's probably going to be a dude. Not say that it can't be a gal, but. Uh, at the end of the day, if you're talking about how do you engage with, you know, a violent subject uh, or a suspect, uh, you know, having, you know, a tool like um, you know the ability to, to have like a handler or something there is, you know, a bit of a force multiplier. So do you feel that like um, it, it would be an advantage for women who want to get into law enforcement or security work or just even personal protection that they that they kind of take one of these courses or that they associate themselves with canines because it's like they're not alone in that kind of situation?
3: Yeah, so um kind of a, a long winded answer for that is um, you know, in terms of people who are looking to get into law enforcement or that type of work, um Typically, you do have to be, you know, in law enforcement for several years before departments will consider you for canine. Um, Unfortunately, it's not something that people can, you know, just go in, become a police officer, and just know they're going to be canine. Um, But for women in general who are looking for a way to just kind of expand their skill set with their dog and... Um, you know, regardless of dog breeds, any dog can be a protection breed. I mean, some of the gnarliest uh, protection, like canines, so to speak, are like Frenchies. Um, it really all comes down to it, a dog's uh specific drive, making that dog, you know, a good, a good candidate for that type of work. Um, you know, so women maybe that are just looking for, um, you know, a way to feel safer um, when they're out and about having a having a protection canine is you know, definitely awesome. It's definitely not for everybody um, because at the end of the day, you know, that dog isn't a pet. It's meant to be a tool. Uh, So there's a fine line there. Um, But absolutely for people trying to just learn about protection work in general and even starting bite work with a dog that's never done it. I mean, we had some really adorable floppy-eared pitties there uh, this past year. Um, One dog I really remember, his name is Mickey there uh, from Tampa. Him and his owner, you know they've always wanted to do that kind of work, and they got started with uh you know take mosley uh Jared Wolf, Cody Talent, some of the guys that we had out there uh Tink and Cody, both being Marine Corps veterans, actually, if you're not familiar with them, but uh you know they were able to help teach her from the ground up, and by the time their dog left, he was already kind of biting on a sleeve, and um you know together they really learned a foundation that they could do together.
2: So we've talked a lot about Social Summit, but you mentioned a little bit about the law enforcement side. Uh, would you mind elaborating on that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So the whole event is kind of a double header for two different missions. So you know what we talked about mostly so far is the pet aspect, and you know any average person kind of coming in and learning. But the law enforcement officer side is is kind of why the whole thing exists as well. And so, uh, this year we had our first, uh, first opportunity to actually bring in the law enforcement side, um, training for these handlers in the Central Florida area. And so the law enforcement training has three main goals. Number one, we want to build neutrality for the canines to live fire. Um, it may surprise you to know that most police canines actually do not do well, uh, with the sound of, you know, live fire. And so, our number one goal is to not only start working towards that, but educate the handlers on how they can be training this, um, you know, when they're not at the event, which is super important because, you know, you're not going to normally bring a P9 to a gunfight. But on things like felony stops and whatnot, a lot of times the dogs and guns already drawn are present. And so there's always that chance where, you know, you as a handler could find yourself in a gunfight And so we want the dogs to not be turning on the handlers because of the sound of their weapon. And so our second goal is to help handlers improve just their general firearms ability, marksmanship in general, especially with their duty carry, typically a pistol. And so the tertiary goal is blending the two of those together and having these handlers learn how to better Multitask, um, manage not only their weapon, you know, safely, effectively, downrange, but also this weapon that's attached to them that, you know, is sometimes 90 or more pounds that has four legs and also a brain of its own. And so, the training that we had this past year was really focused on those three goals, and we had really great feedback from the officers that attended that. And moving forward, Social Summit as a whole exists as a a means of fundraising, so that way we can continue to provide this training opportunity for these officers.
2: Well, it's fantastic. So um, for everyone out there listening, if you're looking, you know, for a bit of personal protection for yourself or a loved one, uh, make sure you check out Zena's Pack. Where can we find you on social media?
3: Yeah, so Zena's Pack. Um, we, we do professional pet training, so we actually don't do any protection training, but I have a lot of contacts with great trainers in the area that I know and trust. Um, for Instagram and Facebook, we are just at Zenus Pack, X-E-N-A-S-P-A-C-K. And for social media for K9 Social Summit, the same thing, at K9 Kilo 9 Social Summit. And that's for Instagram, Facebook, and our websites are the same as well.
2: Well, fantastic. We thank you so much for taking the time to come up, uh, come here on the smoke pit and you know, share a little bit of your world with us. So uh, fair winds, following seas. We'll see you next time here in the smoke pit.
3: Thanks, Dan. Be sure to keep up that little dog energy.
2: <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye.